buzzing off three cups of coffee this morning. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Belanger. Today's episode is brought to you by ProLineStadium.com, Atlantic Canada's home field for great sports betting. Summer is here, and it's just gotten even better with the new ProLine offer where you can earn up to $100, that is correct, $100 in parlay tokens all the way. Until August 26, 2023, every wager of $10 or more on a two or more pick parlay on ProLine that includes soccer will earn you a $10 parlay token that can be used on ProLine parlay of two or more picks that include at least one soccer event. Tokens expire August 31st, 2023. Bet on ProLine all season long at ProLineStadium.com or download the ALC app. Must be 19 years of age or older. Please play responsibly. Hope everyone's doing well out there on this Thursday morning. I know the Open just started. Watching tons of golf this weekend. Going to be a great time. I know with the Live and the PGA Tour, it just kind of separated the best players in the world. But when these... uh, when these championships happen, it's great. Just watching the best golfers in the world compete head to head, it's uh, it's it's just awesome. It's it makes you feel worse actually because then you realize how bad you are at golf watching these guys and the shots they're making and how how low their scores are. They're just so talented. They're they're just unbelievably talented. It's not like they make the same mistakes as the rest of us. It's just how they recover from those mistakes is what is the most impressive like they can hit a drive it could hit the it'll miss a fairway it'll be in the rough but from that rough they're on the green or close to it and then they're putting or chipping for par or birdie they're just it's it's just unbelievable how they're able to recover from mistakes one day i don't know um Another benefit from being up in Anaganish uh, this past weekend was seeing uh, or meeting new people uh Daryl Young was one of those people who I met uh, this past week. I've known of, I've known about Daryl, Jesus, since almost my whole, you know, competitive hockey career. Every time he was in the rink, you wanted to impress him because his word matters. If he vouches for you, that's a good thing in in, in hockey. So um, whenever he's around the rinks, you always showed your respect to him. Never really had a conversation with him until this day, but was happy I I bumped into him, uh, looked him in the eye, shook his hand. Daryl, nice to meet you. I'm Justin. We started talking for a good, you know, 15, 20 minutes. It turns out we have tons of friends in common, and uh, I know he was a busy guy that day. And he was leaving St. of X to go back home. And I said, look, I, I don't know if you have an hour to spare, but I have the podcast equipment here. Would you be interested in joining the podcast? He, he lit up. He had a huge smile on his face. He was so happy. He said, yes, absolutely. Um, and he had nothing but time for me. And that, that meant a lot to me, knowing that uh, as a kid growing up, he was, a, he was a guy that I looked up to. And just to have him say absolutely no problem, it, uh, it meant a lot to me. So um, great hockey mind Daryl is great hockey mind he understands what it takes to become a professional hockey player and he also understands what it means to be a professional hockey player and not necessarily be in the NHL he understands that the NHL is a tough 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 league to make and he knows that there's other avenues uh in the game of hockey to go make a living and I, I just it was cool picking his brain for that hour he had some really good professional insight not the not the standard answer that you've hear that you've heard a thousand times. Just really well thought out answers when it comes to carving um, 
a career out in professional hockey. I'll give you a little bit of a background in Daryl's hockey career. He actually started out coaching, believe it or not. Dalhousie back in 85. Every time I think of Dalhousie in the 90s or 80s, I think of that rink, that wooden roof. You walk in, you smell it. I can still smell it today. You can too probably if you've been in that rink before. While he was coaching at uh, Dalhousie back in the 80s, he was actually a scout for the Washington Capitals. Um, In 2001... He was the director of hockey operations for the Moncton Wildcats. I actually skipped 98. He was a scout for Nashville for two years, all the way to 2000. Uh, 2003, all the way to 2008, he was a scout for the Tampa Bay Lightning, where they won the Stanley Cup. Uh, 2008 to 2014, he was an amateur scout for the Vancouver Canucks, uh, moving on from them to becoming the general manager of the St. John Sea Dogs. Now he's in player development uh, with... Maloney and Thompson Sports Management, and I could not be more proud of this episode. Really, really good, uh, good time. So I hope you enjoy. I'm Justin. We're talking to Daryl Young. We actually had his brother on Wendell Young as well. So now we got the two, uh, we got the Wendell brothers on. So I'm, I'm pumped that we got to to make that happen. So enjoy the podcast. Here we go. You know what comes next. <laughs> Daryl Young, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Great, Justin. Thanks for having me. I think, well, we've had your brother on, Fed Wendell, and now we got you. So we got two of the brothers on. How many actually, How many siblings are there? There's uh, six kids in our family, five boys, one girl. Yeah. Oh, that one girl. Oh, she... Well, actually, she ruled the roost, so oh, did don't she? feel bad for her. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess. Was she the oldest or the youngest? No, or she middle? was fourth. She was the fourth? Yeah, she was behind me before Wendell. Yeah. Toughest out of all, yeah, I bet. Oh, yeah. No question. Like. My mother wasn't home, wasn't home. She was in charge. Makes sense. And she still thinks the same thing now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually the way it goes. Yeah. Um, growing up, you're probably the most recognizable face, in my opinion, in, uh, in Nova Scotia, in and around Atlantic Canada. I've, I remember growing up playing, and whenever you walked into a rink, uh, you, you perked up a bit. You okay, well, that, 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 that's Daryl Young there. <laughs> he has a little bit of say when it comes to the hockey world, and he's watching me play hockey. That's... Uh, you know, to finally sit down with you and get to know you personally. I know we just talked for a couple minutes back there and yeah. you were telling me how busy you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Once again, I appreciate you coming on because I know you're busy. So no, it's great. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I guess going back to the, the very beginning, did you know that you always wanted to be, I guess, in the office side of hockey? No, I just knew I loved hockey. Yeah. I mean, for any time you're involved in the game, you either like hockey. I got a lot of guys who like hockey and play hockey because I like it. Um, anybody, anybody who loved hockey, you know, they love hockey and they know you, you want to be involved if you can. I was very fortunate. I got some breaks along the way by some outstanding people, you know, when I was, you know, played for Dal and end up, you know, helping the assistant coach. Then the assistant coach, uh, the head coach left and went back to Europe. And I was fortunate enough that the athletic director at the time, uh, Wayne Kirk, who just, Wayne McDonald, sorry, who just passed away. Um, in the last couple of weeks, I uh, was the athletic director, and he actually was my high school football and lacrosse coach. No way. So when Kent Reckie left Dell, he walked in and said, uh, the job's yours if you want it. I said, great. Wow. Right. So that was I was very young. You know, I was 26 years old, so I was very young back then. But at the same time, you, you create your own path, I think, in life. Um, you know, when I, when I went to the university taking uh, sport administration, I took crappy jobs in the summertime that paid low, you know, low wages. 
um, to get the experience where other people in our, in our same faculty were taking jobs in the city, cutting grass, making more money. Uh, but at the end of the day, I was the one getting the majority of the jobs uh, when I graduated. And wow. you know, because I had the experience. And you create sometimes your opportunity, and sometimes you got to get lucky. You know, and I remember the first time I went for a job interview for sport administration recreation was uh, down a little town on the, down the South Shore. I drove past the town twice before I realized I just passed the town. <laughs> then when it was a Friday afternoon, I went in there at lunchtime on Friday, interview for the job. And uh, by the time I got home, I was still living with my parents, and the phone rang. So the job's yours. And like, so I said, "Can I call you back Monday?" And I said, "You know, thought to myself, I want to be in hockey. If I go down there, I'll never be involved in hockey." So then I started my own hockey school. Um, because I ran them at the housing when I was playing there and I finished playing there when I got hurt. I still ran the hockey schools for Pierre Page and Peter Esdale. And so I started my own hockey schools. Uh, we traveling around different cities in the province. We ran the skating program for Halifax Minor Skills Development uh, way back then. And, and just travel around. You meet people. You start coaching, you know, midget hockey. And I was at 21 coaching at Halifax McDonald's. 22, I was coaching junior. So you know, 20, young. 23, I was coaching senior hockey. So, I mean, you got to create opportunities for yourself as well. And some, like I said, sometimes you got to get lucky. I've been very lucky. Who was your connection with the Washington Capitals? Because I saw when you were coaching Dow, you were also a scout for Washington. Yeah, I, got, I, was, I was lucky because I was, uh, it was a guy named Jack Ferguson. Jack Ferguson was the head scout for the OHL. And anybody who wins, it was the first pick overall in the, the OHL gets a Jack Ferguson award. And the Jack Ferguson was the first pick overall. Jack is almost 90, still living, and he has a summer home in um, up in up by Northport, up that area. Okay. Here, so he comes every summer. He's actually here now, and I'm going to go see him next week down to see him. But uh, Jack uh, saw me when I was working for Hockey Nova Scotia as an intern, doing evaluations for the Canadian Under-17 team. And he came over and asked me what I was doing. I told him, and he goes, you win those brothers? I said, yeah. So he hired me for the OHL. And then through the OHL, I got to meet guys like Sam McMaster uh, who, and people like that. Sam went on to be the uh, director of uh, player development and the, in the, uh, when they had scouts there. And they were going to expand their staff into the Maritimes. And we had a good relationship. And he called me to see if I was interested. Wow. Yeah. Scouting role. First scouting role was with the NHL. Yeah. Yeah. So that was back about 90. 87 around that time did it come naturally to you or did you just walk into a rink and have no idea what you were really doing well like, you did you know what, what to look for i guess is what you, i'm asking i mean as a young guy you're always learning i'm always learning now you know as a as a as a, as a scout as a as a hockey guy i'm constantly learning um but you learn it by just sitting and, and listening and sometimes you learn by sitting listening watching then asking questions yeah right and then I was very fortunate to be around guys like Dave Paul, Brian Murray, Barry Trotz. You know, uh, all those guys were great, great guys to learn from. Oh, yeah, because Barry played for Washington too. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 Barry, yeah. Barry was yeah. a coach when I was in Washington. Oh, was he? Yeah, yeah. Then he became the assistant coach in Baltimore with Terry Murray. We ended up coaching L.A. and Philadelphia. Wow. Right. So Barry was the assistant coach there. Wow. So we had all, we had a great connection of people that came to the organization, and uh, you just like I said, you just learn. You just yeah. You know, one of the things I was, I'm very fortunate and that helped me as a coach when I was coaching at Dell is that 
I was able to go to the NHL training camps, work with NHL people, and learn. But I don't, my second year at Dell, I was a volunteer assistant coach with the Nova Scotia Oilers, and then uh, Larry Kish and Ron Lowe. Ron went on to coach the Edmonton and New York Rangers. So I knew I had to learn. So I spent the whole, every morning I would practice, help move pucks, and then after practice, work with skill with the guys, different guys like, you know, Jack Bukaboom was there, and Kelly Buckberger, you know, a lot of big names that end up being big players. So I wanted to learn, so I knew the best chance to learn is by going to the pros and learning from them. Wow. I've always wondered in your industry how you earn um, your peers' respect. There's so many people in the world of hockey, but you and I both know hockey is such a small community. In order to gain respect, you gotta you have to be a, not a special person, but you have to do the right things constantly. What was your quickest way to gain respect from people that you looked up to? Well, I think people have to know that a that you're very respectful of people, and b that you have a, a good work ethic. You know, if you're not willing to put the hours and the time in, that's not important. You know, you've got to be there. I had a discussion with a young guy in the past week who's uh, new in, a, in, a, in an industry, and I said, "Why am I on the bus at seven thirty?" going to the rink with the, all the young guys and you don't get show up till 10 o'clock. You know, like, why is that, why is that happening? You're the young guy trying to break into the business. Why am I the guy helping clean the tables at the end of lunchtime or, or dinner meals? I'm cleaning the tables. I don't got to do it, but I'm doing it because it has to be done. Understand if you, no job's too big or no job's too small. And you just got to work, work hard and be open to learning. That's a great answer. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I, I've, I've always wondered from your industry as well, like we do streaming and a lot of people yeah. go, um, you know, this is great for scouts that yeah. they get to sit at home and they watch this. But I've always thought on the other side, I, I you know, I, there's some things that you can't pick up from streaming. You can't yeah. pick up a kid's body language when he goes to yeah. the bench. There's certain things. So I was wondering from your perspective, what do you think about the streaming industry and, and how is it helping scouts or do scouts still want to be in the rink? Scouts want to be in the rink. You know, you want to, you want to feel the cold. You want to smell the rink. You want to feel the puck against the boards. You know, I watch video every day, um, but I won't, I won't give you a true answer until I see the person live. Because you say you want to see the person's body language, uh, how they back check. You don't see that sometimes. For a defenseman, you don't see why he read the puck the way he read the puck. When he made a pass, you're like, what's he thinking? Well, where's the pressure coming from? You know, you don't see that in video a lot of the time. So you got to be in person. Right, and just to feel it, you know. You, I watch guys who, uh, you know, how they responded to their teammates on the bench. You don't get to see that. And that's such a big part of the game today, just knowing how you treat each other, and how you support your your teammates or you don't support your teammates. How you talk to them, how you how much how you're engaged. You don't get that feel from video. Those are big parts of the game. That's nice. I like that. Is is there part of you that likes talking to the to the players, or do you go directly to the the trainers first, or the coaches first, like? How do you approach a player? You know, uh, in terms of recruiting a player? Yeah. You know, I, I try to watch the player quite a bit and then uh, ask people around the game about him. Yeah. Not so much as hockey, because I'll trust my own opinion, but more so him as a person, what the family's like, what's he like, does he train hard? You know, if you tell me you're skating with Joe Plandowski, I'll text Jill or call Jill because her sons are our clients yeah. and ask her what her thoughts of the player is. You know, and how we receptive is the learning. Because you're not receptive to learning, and if you don't show her respect when she's out there, then we don't want you. It's as simple as that. You know, right. because you've got to be want to learn. You've got to want to work hard. 
Yeah. Right. But the, in terms of later on, we talk to the coaches about the players. But the person who probably knows at the National Hockey League level when you're scouting major junior, the best probably person to t uh, tell ask about a, a player's character is the equipment manager. Because those are the guys the lowest on the rung. And the way they treat that guy is going to tell you a lot about that person, the things they do. They know which guys are good guys or bad guys in the dressing room. And they're not, they're not afraid to share it with you either. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, but think about that. They're, they have to learn at the lowest, you know, yeah. of the hockey organization in reality, but they're also one of, one of the most important as well. Yeah, you can learn a lot from a guy about how he like cleans his stall. Does he put yeah. the towel in the basket? Does he hang his jersey up? Does yeah. he say, yeah, thank you? You know, little yeah. things like that yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, the way he treats someone, you know, in pressure situations and, you know, but, you know, when the sticks aren't right or, you know, the tape's not right or the skates aren't sharp. And, yeah. You know, just how to talk to people. It's really important. What, what do you think the most important level of development is? Is it major junior or is it Bantam? Is it, where, what level do you think is, okay, this guy needs to make a step right now? Well, you know what, it's... uh between 18 and 23. Yeah. You know, that's where the major stuff has to be made. Um, you know, I, I always I, I always tell everybody that, that it's not who's the best 13-year-old, who's the best 14-year-old. It's who's the best guy between 18 and 23. So if you're not the top guy, maybe you don't win the scoring race in U15. Maybe you don't end up the top five. But you might have a better opportunity than the guy who finishes up top because you're a better skater. You just haven't physically matured, maybe. You know, there's all kinds of reasons why. But just keep going and showing perseverance. Perseverance is the greatest attribute, one of the greatest attributes a person can have going through hockey. Because hockey's brutal. You know, very brutal. You've been there. You just know how hard it is. It's not an easy road, even when you can make it. You know, so, but perseverance is huge. And if you can say, keep getting better, keep getting better, you'll, you'll, make, you'll make your way. It may not be the pro, but it might be college, might be the junior A, might be the major junior A, but you'll find some level of success. I like that. Well said. When we were talking there a little bit earlier, we were talking about uh, your schedule the past month and yeah. the travels. I there's, I know some guys who are busy, and what you just rattled off to me, that you're busy. Yeah. What, what are some travel tips when you're moving? <laughs> well, I've learned to uh, pack lighter. <laughs> I understand that... Uh, you know, we're, and we're black. We're a lot of black. We're black. Why? What's black? Just professional? Well, it looks professional, but also it hides the dirt. Right? <laughs> if you spill something on a black jacket. You're wearing white like, right now. I know. I know but it goes around my brown pants. You got to match. Fair enough. <laughs> you got to coordinate too, right? There's, so, a, there's a look for a scout. Like the, the yeah. pea coat, the clipboard, the note, the pen. Yeah. Like there's a look for what you guys do. Yeah. But the funny thing is when I first started in the business, we had to wear a suit and tie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sport coat, dress pants, or a suit and tie. And we go to major junior games, college games, and that was our dress. It's only been the last probably 10 years that it's relaxed, uh, but I can't get that relaxed. I can't wear jeans to a game, right? I can't wear sneakers to a game. You see guys doing that, it just blows my mind. I work for a professional organization, so why shouldn't I look professional? Well, that's my own personal belief, uh, but I believe it's important that if you want to you send a certain image, you better dress it. For sure. Right? You know, we want to be successful, be around successful people. 100%. So, you know, so you gotta, I think you got to look that way. Yeah, you've always had that aura about you. Like when you walk in, it's like, all right, like I said, all right, that even when you're playing, I just remember sometimes, oh, that's Dale, Dale's right here. You got to, you just kind of have that power. And at what point yeah. did your career, did you realize you kind of, 
Like I'm starting to notice it a little. I walk through and I got I got eyeballs looking yeah. at me. But no. when did you start to notice that the uh, that persona of yourself walking through the rink? Well, you know what? I don't even think of that in that manner. I think that uh, you treat people assessment way up. You're gonna meet them on the way down. Okay. Because my career has been up and has been down. I've been hired. I've been fired. Right. I meet the same people no matter where I go. So treat them well. That's one thing our dad told us. The other side of it is that I think that you know. You don't think, I love the maritime mentality because I tell everybody this, is that our mentality is take what you do seriously, but don't take yourself seriously. Like I like, I like to have fun, I like to smile, I like to enjoy life. Yeah, right? I've noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> Just trying to get to know you a little bit. No, I mean, I walk through, you know, my kids hate it because I go to a mall, I got to talk to everybody. Yeah, you know, but. You know, that's just, people want to talk to you, that's fine. Yeah. You know, I'm not a hockey, I'm not Sidney Crosby, I'm not Nathan McKinnon, but I might be the, the person in hockey they want to talk to because they recognize you. Well, how, well, how do you deal with the, the politics of it all? Maybe maybe my parents and my kids this, my kids that, and how do you, per, how do you stay a, a nice guy and put people down easily? Or, you know, there, there's all that in hockey, but well, people approaching you. Yeah, basically, you know, you, you, we, there's some situations where you really got to control them. Mm. Um but for the most part, most of the people who work with are really good people. You know, they're really good, you know, not just players, but families. Um, but for, there's some things, situations that you really got to manage. We're managing a couple situations now. And you just got to be patient, you yeah. know, and try to keep explaining to them what they, what, why it's happening to them, and what you can do to change it, and, and what they can do to change the situation. There's always two sides of a story, huh. right? You know, the coach doesn't like me. Well, you know what? I had guys I didn't like at the housing, but I, I played them because they helped us win, right? So <laughs> it could be another reason why I'm not playing you. You're probably not good enough. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, bottom line, <laughs> everybody wants to win, right? Yeah. You know, so I put up a lot of crap when I was coaching the Dallas so we could win. Yeah. But, you know, there's there's politics to everything, you know, and the problem I think with a lot of people today is that they don't give their kids enough responsibility they don't hold them accountable enough. You know, it's you're the guy not working hard. You know, you're maybe you know, a coach is mad at you, he's not working hard, then work harder. Right? You know, like don't come crying to me. It's not my fault you're not working hard. You gotta own it. Right? You're the guy taking the bad penalty, not the coach. Yeah. Right? And there's some situation where it just comes down to bad coaching. And I've seen that happen too. Oh yeah? Yeah. You know, not identifying who the, who the, who the good players are, what the person does well, right? You know, sometimes the coach really got to identify what people are doing well, and play to their strengths. Fair enough. Right? You know, some guys are a goal scorer. So set your power play up to, f to feed him, he'll score. Yeah. It's simple. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. a simple game. It's just hard to sometimes translate. Yeah. It's a very simple game, but oh, yeah. you have to you have to translate in a way to get people to motivate and, and yeah. work hard. Oh, exactly. And the game is changing, too. You know, the way the game is played, everybody says it's tougher to score goals today. I don't believe that. My day and time, you, you know, you, you're clutching, grab, you're, you're a lot of holding, very physical. But today's game is tougher because if you're a forward, think about it, when you watch a game on TV, it's 5-1-3 down low. Five guys defending against three forwards. And the two forward, two, two defensemen yeah. use the yeah. open, and the top is circled out. Yeah. Right? So if you're a forward, it's tougher to score. Yeah. Right, because you're in so much traffic, yeah. Right, not like the old days. You don't you don't see any th you know three on twos or 
three on ones, bing, 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 gone. Right? The game has changed so much. What What do you think about the game though? Progressing in terms of skill and less away from roughness. Do you Do you, uh, do you think it's in good hands? I, I love I love the way the game's been. I love the skill of the game. Okay. Love the speed of the game. I don't like that they're trying to take the physicality out of the game. Right? That's there's a certain. You watch the playoffs. What's the best hockey in the season? Is playoffs. It's intense. It's physical. Right? It's tough to maintain that for, you know, hundred games. Yeah. Hundred games yeah. a year, yeah. but it's it's intense and it's physical. Like the first round of the playoffs was really good. It's always is because they have the most energy. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, the physical part of it adds a blend to it as well. But don't take the physical part of the game. Yeah. I tell young kids today, if you want to have a chance to play, play physical, because there's so many. Every guy thinks they're a goal scorer. I tell kids when they go to training camp, you know, for major junior. Just work hard, be physical. If you score, it's going to be a bright part of your physicality. Yeah. But if you're a scorer, score. Yeah. But add a little physicality to your game too, so people notice that part of the grit. For sure. Yeah. What's the most rewarding part of your job? Seeing people be successful. That's the most fun. See players improving. It hasn't changed since I started coaching 50 years ago. You know, it's the same. It hasn't changed. Seeing people go to the next level. Right. I mean, coaching is coaching. I'm probably, you know, I'm at one of my Probably the best thing about coaching is that you see kids develop. You know, I remember a couple of years ago when my youngest son was playing Pee Wee, made Pee Wee Double B. And I helped coach those teams for those two years. The second year, we went and we won the provincials in quadruple overtime. <laughs> but fast forward, Halifax West and and and, uh, and Citadel were in the provincial semifinals. Twenty of those kids played in those two Pee Wee B Double B teams. So we got triple A, double A, A, B, and two double B teams in Halifax. And 20 of those kids were playing in that game. That's rewarding, right? We see that with those kids get to a level that people didn't think they would get to probably. That's great. Right? Outside their parents, obviously. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. What about this, the cup? You know, getting a group of people together and they're all on the same page to, to win a Stanley Cup in Tampa Bay. I see your, the ring right yeah. there. That that must be a rewarding, rewarding feeling, a lifetime of achievement kind of earned in one day. How, how does that feel? Well, I mean, you, you reflect back on all the people that helped you get there, right? And that's what you reflect on more than anything else. It's not just you, yeah. right? So there's like, and to tell you the truth, when we won that Pee Wee Double Beach Championship, I was probably more happy then. Than stop. Than yeah. There, seriously, stop. seriously. Because what was about me was with the kids, right? The kids achieved some level of success. That's all you want to see. I wear this because it helps recruit, right? People, it's an it's a icebreaker. People see it and want to ask you questions about it. Right? And a lot of people never seen a Stanley Cup ring or try one on. Yeah. People laugh because I'd be in the dressing room, I'd throw it to kids. And they would drop it and be almost in tears. Like, don't worry about it. Diamonds will fall out, they'd be replaced. No big deal. Right? So. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Does Wendell wear his ever? Yeah, he wears his once in a while. Yeah. Probably a little bit more now than he did. Right, you know, mine's, mine's twice the size of his rings were, right? <laughs> well, yeah, because what year did he win? Uh, 92, 91, 92. Yeah, if you go to the Hockey Hall of Fame and you look at the yeah. rings from like the 80s till now, they're well, just... This was big. Now they've, they've now gotten that. so big. And this is this one here was like the first one of his, of his type with the Stanley Cup in the middle. Like now you see a lot of them has the Stanley Cup right in the middle of the ring like that. Yeah, yeah. Right? Most of them have like the Pittsburgh Penguin with a diamond in it in the middle. This changed kind of the ring's... Where they were built. Oh, that was like the first one where it was like a little yeah. more flashy. Yeah, it looks like a stadium with the 
the cup sitting on top of the stadium. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. What was your what was your relationship like growing up with Wendell? Was it competitive? <laughs> was it was it love? No, yeah, apparently uh, he no. was saying like I heard that he used to get all the nice gear, goalie gear. Oh man, I tell you what, my dad was the first scout I met <laughs> because I was in Badham. I was wearing I was wearing forward skates in Badham AAA. We were double, we only had A. Badham A with a piece of bicycle tube around the the old uh, tube skates. So the pucks wouldn't go through the middle, right? <laughs> I, I he had goal he had goalie skates. He was playing Adam. I was playing Battle, right? So he also had goalie pants. I didn't have goalie pants, right? Like I had forward pants. Like the pucks would ding off the inside of you, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, my dad knew talent when he saw it. He realized I didn't have much. <laughs> He's going to bank on that guy. Right? But there was, there was no there was no competitive. It's probably more pride than anything else because he was always the best. I remember one time he was in junior junior high and the Gores uh, Goresbrook uh, Junior High uh, Charles Charles Tupper so Charles Tupper okay he, we were going to St Stephen's we're North End guys yeah we were going to St Stephen's so uh, so Charles Tupper wasn't very good so the league let them uh, the junior high league let them pick up either Wendell or three other players from Goresbrook that chose Wendell. Right? No so, way. Instead of losing 20, 20 to one, they lost 10 one. <laughs> right? But, uh, but they, they were like, you know, like we weren't, we were always competitive in our family. We always did sports together, but there was nothing but pride. I mean, I remember I was sitting in phys ed class at Dalhousie and Pierre Paggi was, was uh, our, my coach at Dowling. He was also teaching uh, at the university. And someone asked Pierre, like, you know, which, which guy around Halifax or Metro Nova Scotia is the next NHL player, and he says the goalie Wendell Young. Well, he's five years younger than me, and I'm sitting there like, okay. <laughs> Does he know you're in the room? Does he oh, know yeah, you're yeah, probably? Yeah. Oh yeah, he yeah. knows that. I said, yep, you're right. Wow. <laughs> no, that was all nothing but pride for me. He's, he was always good. Like no matter what he did, he was good. He played lacrosse. He was good. He played football. He was good. first 15 year old. Guy that ever played middle linebacker at St. Pat's High School. Stan Henniger had tons of great things to say about oh. you. In terms of like athleticism, just like a freak yeah. athlete. Yeah. Well, him and Stan are just like that. You know, the, don't forget the North End in those days were producing a lot of good athletes. There was our family. Was our older brother Kevin was probably the best athlete of the family, but he had a short tent, had a short fuse, so it kind of hurt him in a lot of ways, and it did hurt him in a lot of ways. But he, like everybody said, he was our best athlete. So there, there was the Youngs. There were there was the Parkers. You know, Mark and Sean Parker. There was the Tyneses and the Mulgrave Park. You know. All those guys like were around the Hennikers, the the Pattersons, not just the boys, but the girls in the Patterson family were good athletes too. You know, there there was the there's numerous other families I could rhyme off that, but it was just the whole athletic business. In those days, they, they kicked you out of the house at eight until you come back at five. <laughs> you know, like you played ball hockey, you played baseball, you played football, and you kept yourself busy. No one had a plan or day for us. We did it ourselves. Any stories from like the pit? All oh, the pits. I can't tell you those stories. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hill sprints, like you train, you run up the hill? No, hill sprints, geez, no, anything? No, no, you go sled down it? No, like we, we played at Fort Needham. We played at the pit. We played football at Fort Needham, minor football there. You know, the boys all played uh, softball um, in the North End. And you know, there's all kinds of other stuff that we used to do. Like we used to, the prison was still there in the North End. There was a prison in the North where End? Where the convoy place was. I never knew that. There was a prison. So you know, a bunch of guys had pellet guns. We'd go up there and shoot the rats. <laughs> You know, we always take the motorbikes up. Then, you know, the, the, we had the city dump in the north end of Halifax, too. You know, we're I just right next to Africville. Oh, yeah. Right? That, where the pier is now, that was, a, that was a garbage dump. I didn't know that. Yeah. So the boys go down there and shoot the rats as well. So, you know, all those kind of things you did when you were young kids and you could do it. 
and you know life was good. I mean, back in North End, like North End was a great place for a kid to grow up because everybody knew everybody's kid, and, and everybody was going to look out for each other. And there was tons of kids around. I bet you know you know you look at Alexander McKay, St. Stephen, St. Joseph, St. Stephen Annex. You know, you know they were all there. It's just a great spot to be. Some incredible. Some of my good friends are from the north end and they have stories from back in the day when their parents were there and you just this the way they described it was the this the community protected itself yeah yeah the, the streets policed themselves oh yeah you know yeah definitely i mean you know you don't, you don't steal from the poor yeah <laughs> that, that's, enough, not, yeah. that's not who's hosting <laughs> robin right <laughs> so, he's joking about that all the time you know, that's you know, what i say but you know we were you know we were working class families right good families and um i mean you know, we had some families there that were really successful but still lived in North End, like financially, but they still lived there. Yeah. And a lot of hardworking people, honest people. Yeah. You know, they're working a nine to five and and uh, just took care of each other. Like this, so it was a real community. And that's what things missing today from schools as well. You don't have that sense of community. Like you go to schools now, the kids are busing everywhere. You know, you like they're closing schools left and right. You don't have that sense. I don't think you have that sense of community as much. It's a shame, I think. Yeah. I didn't grow up in the era. Like, I always bust, so I don't know that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But I know what you mean. The sense of community, I like it. I never went to university or much. So, like, this, yeah. honestly, for me, has been great. Just walking yeah. and get food. Just staying in the dorms. It's it's nice. I've, I've been here for two days, and I think yeah. I met, like, 20 people, and it's great. Yeah. It's, oh, a, no it's a lot of fun. Oh, no question. No question. So, how did your relationship with Jai? Because he's from <laughs> Fairview, right? No, he's from, no, he's from uh, around the Dublin, Berlin Street area around Oxford School. Okay. Right? So we always played minor hockey together. Hell yeah. But in high school, I was one of the few guys in North End playing hockey for the high school team. Okay. So when those guys, I got to meet with those guys, started hanging out with those guys. And I played football with those guys and lacrosse and everything. So I started hanging out more with those guys just because I took my sport level to a different level. Yeah. But I still maintain my friends in the North End. You know? Yeah. It's the guys I still talk to today, but... You know, that, that whole group there was just a, a great group. We had a gang called the Who Gang. <laughs> the King of Who Gang. The Who Gang. Right? Yeah, we all played high school, all sports. And okay. A bunch of us came back for our fourth year because we had no idea what we wanted out of life. So we all came back and played. Fair enough. Yeah. And well, most of us wanted to play college. What was the most memorable, like, moment of the form? The form is my favorite rank. Is you, it's yeah. that in Centennial. You walk in, you smell it, you feel like a kid again. What was the most memorable moment from the form of maybe trying to get in to watch an event? Something like that. Well, we all have stories. You know, you're always trying to get in the back doors or whatever. The door open, you try to run in. Same with Chai. We said, you know, the boys would climb the pipes and they greased the pipes. Then they nailed the, the windows closed so you can't get in that way either. So they, they found ways to keep you out. We were like rats trying to find a hole, right? So you're yeah. shooting rats with pellet guns and you guys were rats trying <laughs> oh, to get yeah. in. <laughs> well, my most memorable story of the, of the form is that uh, I was in peewee hockey and I'm, I'm watching my brother, older brother Kevin play. And I'm squinting at the clock, and I'm like, what's the score? How much time left? My mother's looking at me and said, what's wrong with you? I said, I can't see the scoreboard. Next day, I got glasses. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you knew? <laughs> yeah, I was 12 years old, yeah. You never took them off. You still got them on. I usually wear contacts, but I'm getting, I was getting too lazy to put them in now. Yeah, I heard that contacts and look good. I'm hitting the golf ball, and yeah. if I hit it long and straight, I can't see it. So I'm thinking maybe my day's coming. Yeah, well, I, I wear my coach now more than anything else, right? So Yeah, yeah. Because when I went to the helmet, the glasses, but that's about it. But outside, I pretty much wear glasses now. I, I had a, a really good question lined up about 
the debate of the year-round hockey or the in the summer play another sport. I wanted to hear your opinion on that. Well, you know, I think you got to be an athlete first. So if you want to be a hockey player or a baseball player, you got to be an athlete first. If you're an athlete, you're going to be good. I don't think you got to spend all your time in a rink. You know, go play other stuff. I see a lot of kids right now who, when it comes, you know, September, they're, they're tired of hockey. That's what they did all summer. You know, we tell our guys right now, you, you know, our older kids now, they're like, when you get the second year bad, I'm like, yeah, make sure, like, make sure that all you're doing right now is training on off ice five days a week, go on the ice two days a week, and that's it. Stay away from the tournaments. Just fit, develop your body, play some skill stuff, get some skill stuff, and don't be bad to be playing five on five games. Do some skill stuff, then do other stuff. You'll, you'll be you'll be fine. Right? You'll be a player because you got to be an athlete. Yeah. If you got eye hand coordination, you know you have eye hand coordination. If you don't, you don't. Yeah. Pretty tough to get it. Yeah. Right. So be an athlete, but enjoy life too. There's other sports like the other sports that are transferable to hockey, lacrosse. You gotta catch the pass. And lacrosse, if you if you want to score, you gotta go to the net. If you have no courage, you're not gonna go to the net because you'll get hit when you're gonna go to the net. Hockey, you want to score, you gotta go to the net. Right? Same thing. You know, all that stuff. You know, you gotta think and game. Give and go is all the same. Basketball is the same thing. You know, you gotta defend a lot of the basics, your footwork, you know, the way you turn your body, the way you defend, all the same. Boxing out, you know, move the ball, you know, run off the off the ball. Right? You know, all those things are the same. They're Find all open space. Yeah, soccer's the same thing. I remember, you know, 30 years ago when we were scouting, 20 years ago when we were scouting, ask every European what they did in the summertime. It was either soccer or tennis. Right? Now they all want to play golf. <laughs> right? But soccer and tennis, think about it. You know, it's all a lot of the same skills. The great thing about tennis is that you can't blame your lack of success on anybody else. The windmaker came and picked the ball up. There's somebody getting your eye. Outside of that, who are you going to blame? Right? It's yeah. all about you. Yeah. Right? But your feet work, you know, is great because you got to read and react off the ball, right? All those things are, are great things for, for hockey. And if you can be a good tennis player, good chance if you've been playing hockey, you're going to get better. I find it hard now because I golf now in my whole life. I was a hockey guy, team yeah. sport. And when I have a bad shot, you just, it's you. You can't, yeah. you know, it's not I and my guy. It's it's just you. You have no yeah. one to blame. It's, oh, it's yeah. a tough, golf's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, but, any, any sport you're into, you got to master the, the art of positive self-talk. What's that? You know, just... talk. If you miss a shot, I'm better than that. I can make that shot. All those things. There's enough things that can go bad in a game. If you always think about them, if you think about those things that go bad, it's going to make your game even worse. Like say, I'm a good player. You know, I'm good when I do this in a game. I'm better. I'm good when I do this in a game. Hmm. Right? You know, those things are always shit. I just messed up that pass. Well, no, I'm good when I make those passes. You know, master the art, of, the art of self-talk. Because when I was a goalie, people would say to me, my father, well, Daryl is a better goalie than Window. How come Window made it? And my dad would stop him. Probably scoring, scoring not to get ability again. He would stop and say, hold it. Daryl was a better goalie from the neck down. Window was a better goalie from the neck down. <laughs> right? He scored on Daryl, he went to fight you. I couldn't park it. Right? And I beat myself up. But Window would say, what time's lunch? Right? Forget about it. Just go out and play. Short, I, me- yeah. short, short memory. Yeah. yeah. I, I couldn't do that. Right? You know, I, I, so as you get older, you realize, you know, why you failed. Right? 
as a player, as an athlete. What do you think the number one common trait is? Like you've been around some of the best athletes in the world, I'm assuming. Yeah. What's the number one common trait you see when all uh, all of these top athletes are, are in a conversation with you? Uh, the competitiveness. Yeah. You know, how competitive they are, how much they're willing to work, how much they're willing to sacrifice. You know, it's the willing to do what has to be done to be successful. Right? You know, there's three levels of commitment. There's the intellectual where you think you want it. There's a verbal where you say you want it. And there's a true where you actually do what you say and you think. A lot of players fail on the, on the third part. Like, I want to lose 50 pounds. I tell you I want to lose 50 pounds. I think I want to lose 50 pounds, but I'm not truly committed to losing 50 pounds. So I'm telling this back to my wife for the last three years. <laughs> right? So that's where a lot of guys fail, right? It's like the true commitment. Right? But those guys who are successful are truly committed to being good, as good as they can be. It's fun being around those people. Yeah, I mean, like uh, I'm 65 years old this summer, and, I've, and I think mentally I'm 17 because I'm around young people, and you see people laugh, and you see people working to get better, and they keep you young, and they keep you thinking young, you know. Right? So I'm gonna be in this business for another 10 to 15 years. Oh yeah, yeah. Why retire? What am I gonna do? I don't know. Well, old age home. Be around old people. I was gonna say go watch a hockey game, but that's yeah. what you do anyways. <laughs> It's a social interaction. Like, come here with you. Yeah, right? Come fair. here with you. And being around people at the rink and see people I knew. I see grandfathers and, you know, like I see grandfathers and I see kids that I caught, taught at hockey school and their kids are here. Or I coach at the house University or somewhere and their kids are here. Right? And you see them being you know, those kids. You see you're around people and they're laughing because you're bringing back good memories most of the time. Right? Yeah. And enjoying life with people. Like, be around people that want to live life. You, you know, you go to a senior's home, they're, all going to go to a certain point, you know, like young people keep you going. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm noticing that a little bit as well. You just, yeah. Or just finding a challenge around people that have certain, I guess, challenges similar to you. Like if, you, if yeah. you're surrounded by other scouts, you're surrounded by hockey people, yeah. you're, you're just all, you're in one community. That's what I find with myself. I'm just yeah. in a community that wants to get better and you it's, know, and makes the, you better. The community is huge. Like it's just, just not the national hockey league. Yeah. It's when you come into places like this and you see people that you know, you know, and those, those kids have the same dreams that you had 50 years ago or I should say I had 50 years ago or you had 10, 20 years ago. You know, the same thing. They have the same dreams. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. No, it's well said. I hope that I'm in the same position as you when I'm 65 and say I still got 10 more years in me. <laughs> it's a lot of conversations, but we'll make it work. Oh, yeah. I got my youngest, my middle son right now starting to work with us. So Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. He was with you there. Yeah. yeah, he started this past winter work with me. He's going to get more involved in the in the business, so. Because our business is expanding, we're getting more guys playing pro, and we got to. You want to service your clients as best you can, and make sure you're always there. Yeah. Right. Not showing up once every three, four months. That you see somebody every couple of weeks. You know, have a conversation with somebody every couple, every couple of weeks from our company. Yeah. So. Where do you think that balance is of not having too many clients? It's almost like the what's that movie Jerry Maguire? Yeah. It's like well, where where do you think that balance is of not yeah. being the guy that has a hundred clients compared yeah. to fifty? Well, I, I think that uh, you got guys who move on to, to pro hockey or major junior hockey that you know you you don't talk to them as much. Yeah. You go to the games, you a lot of phone calls back and forth. But I think it, we're at the stage now where you know if we get two or three in age group, that's all we want. All right. right? But unfortunately, this 2010 group is so so good. Is that Seriously, the group coming up today? Tonight, no, the first group this morning. Okay, yes. The 2010 group that is incredible. There's some couple of 208s that I really like. There's some couple of 209s, but that 210 group, there's probably 
10 guys that I think right now today have a legitimate chance of being pro. Right? I'm not going to say names. We'll talk no. after. But, but we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. We'll say names, but yeah. I mean, I'm just working at their skill level, their compete level, the way they think the game. Right? You know, they just how they – and, you know, they got to grow. they got other parts of it. they got to keep loving the game. they got to keep working on the game. It'd be interesting to keep track of them, see how they do. But there's a couple, like I said, there's more than a couple there. You know, there's a couple guys in 208s that are really outstanding, which you'll see today. Right? But then 209, there's some good players there as well. You know, so. it's great seeing best on best. And in hockey, unfortunately, yeah. best on best isn't really a thing. Like the, the Olympics haven't been around. That World Cup thing hasn't yeah. been around in a bit. And yeah. this is kind of the best on best we've had in a long time, at least for us to see. And it's yeah. it, you notice the difference. There's yeah. no shift that's yeah. off. It's fun to watch. Yeah. You know, there was a guy today in 2009 that uh, I know the kid was a coach. I was I, I traded for his father and I was GM in Moncton. Oh, yeah. And uh, he was drafted by the Chicago Blackhawks. So looking at this kid last year, like, hey, he's not bad. Then you see him today and you see how much work he must have put in over the summer. You see a big difference in in his game. You know, the confidence level's higher, skating better, he's making more plays. And like this guy, you know, keeps going. And as I said before, it's not about being the best fourteen year old or fifteen year olds, being the best guy between eighteen and twenty three. And that's our job is to try to project who's gonna be the best guy between eighteen and twenty three. Did you see um Crosby play when he was like sixteen? Well, I saw him in- play before that. I remember because the the Crosby's the the um the Forbes's, or, 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 or Robbie Forbes, I should mention Robbie Forbes, Harry Forbes were really good, good, good uh, hockey players. Um, you know, that's their nephew, right? And then uh, Darren Sutherland, Robbie Sutherland, Brian Sutherland, they're all related because their mother's a Forbes, Crosby's mother's a Forbes. So the Forbes are, were good friends with our family oh, growing yeah? up. Yeah. So I remember one of the, was like, God, oh, you got to see this Sydney. You know, he's 10, 11. Like, he's 10, 11. Like, I'm not hot to go rush out to see him. <laughs> And then I was, uh, and I think it was, it was 2000, I was the guest speaker at the Atlantics. That's when the ages were all changed for, for a couple of years there. And he was a peewee playing in the bottom. And I looked at him, he was like 12 or 13. I'm like, holy cow. He's the best player on the ice by a country mile. Right? And he was just, just dominant. Wow. Right? Just dominant. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, like, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of guys in peewee and bottom that don't end up being anything. But this guy was. Right? Well, I wanted to bring up the age of, you know, 16 to 18 because I wanted – did you go to any uh, World Junior Games and see Bedard? Yeah. I I just – if you could maybe potentially talk about his next five years in the NHL and you could predict maybe what's going to happen, do you think he could be one of the the best of all time or do you think it's still too early? Well, I mean, I think it's too early, but I think it could be. Yeah. You know, he's he's shown he can be dominant at his – not even say his age level because the World Juniors is predominantly a 19-year-old tournament, you know. He was wearing a bubble. Yeah. You know, and he was a couple years, two years younger, or three years younger than most guys. So, he's a young player that really dominated on the, on that stage. He's got that power in his skating, like like Nathan McKinnon. He's got the shot, you know, like you know, like for a few guys have. And he's built. You know, he's not going to be a six foot two guy, but he's that. Don't give me six foot two if you're 190 pounds. If you're five foot ten, you know, that's a strong man. Right? That's a big body guy. He's a thick body, so it's tough to move him off the puck. I think that Chicago did the right thing by bringing some older veterans in, you know, the Corey Perrys and that, uh, Taylor Halls, surround them with some better players than they had last year, or a better team, I should say, than they had last year. So they're doing the right, making the right steps, making him feel as comfortable as possible, surround them with guys who are 
older and has some leadership skills. Well said. I like that. Yeah. Have you ever been to a Chicago Blackhawks game live? I heard they're just. I heard back when they were on their cup runs, it was just the Un- place to be. Unfortunately, I haven't. No. I, no. I've been to a lot of NHL rings, but that's not one place I've been to. No way. Even when I go to Chicago, I go visit my brother. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The Wolves, yeah, yeah. He got me there. <laughs> we'll be offended if he goes to the Blackhawks. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Especially if he's that night. <laughs> I remember I started the podcast with him, and I was like, oh, look, how does it feel to be like an affiliate with the Chicago Blackhawks? He goes, no, what are you talking about? We're not an affiliate with the Blackhawks. <laughs> Everybody assumes that. Yeah, right? I just assumed. Yeah. I think, I don't know if I restarted the podcast yeah. or if we just went with it, but I yeah. felt awful yeah, to start hour, with it. Rockford's an hour and a half down the road. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, That's man, good. that, that, uh, that's great. What are one of the rinks, though, that you've been to? And it's like, whoa, Electric Factory in the NHL. Well, I, I think that uh, the Tampa Bay, the years I was there in the, uh, you know, 2004 when we won the Cup. I mean, the whole outside, when you the weather's so nice there, then you go outside. Just when you walk around outside, the bands are playing and there's games for kids. There's all stuff going on. The bars are open air, so they're attached to the rink. It's just it's a live, live place, right? You yeah. go in the rink. You know, we, like, at the time... We had uh, the, the National Hockey League. We were like number top five in the league in, in terms of attendance, right? So they, they, the Americans can put on a big show. But our ticket prices were in the bottom five. Oh, okay. Right? Well. So that, that hurt the team financially, you know, just because the market was building up. Now they're, they're a good franchise in terms of good, good tickets, right? You know, I haven't been to Vegas yet, and I want to get to Vegas because that's supposed to be the place to be. Oh, yeah. Right? I love Madison Square Gardens. Who doesn't? Oh, man. It's just, yeah, you know, my goal is to so go see Billy Joel before he, before he plays his last concert there. Doesn't he play there like once a week? Yeah, but I think November this year, maybe it's the last one he's going to play. No way. Imagine yeah. being at that show. Yeah, so that's a great concert to go see. Billy right? Joel, I bet it yeah. would be. Uh, Square, Madison Square Gardens is a great place. Yeah, when I was talking to Morgan Barron and uh, when he just got back from playing Vegas, they yeah. lost in the first round. He said it was just almost impossible to play there just yeah. so loud so and i yeah. thought it was all tourists and he's like no 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 it's no. not tourists they're no there's suburbs in vegas oh, like they're yeah. fans oh yeah vancouver was great during our during our years we we're always in the battle for the cup right they were always great great loud building sorry say that again vancouver the, okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. They were there you know i was there from uh 208 and to 214 but and then we were pretty successful during those times and those years with the 2011 stanley cup run there and before we lost Chicago for twice in a row, and so they, 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 those were great electrifying times. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That, there was. I remember I couldn't stay up and watch the games, but I remember watching sports <laughs> that TSN the next morning. Yeah. You're like, hey, Vancouver won those uh, years yeah. back when they were. Yeah, the fans were great back then. You know, even they were singing the national anthem, and the crowd singing along. Right, it's just yeah. it was loud and it was noisy. Yeah. I knew there was a game on before the game even was being played. Yeah. Right? Do you think uh, all or Jeff will be alive when uh, if there's an NHL team in Halifax? <laughs> well, I don't think that's going to happen for a very long time. Well, that's what I'm saying. If yeah. well, Jeff, old are you? You're so you know like he could be uh, 80 years. That's 60 years from now. Well, you know what? You know whoever thought Halifax would be approaching 500,000 people, right? In the way that everybody's moving into the city and the city's expanding. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say never, but. It would be, we'll be probably dead and gone. I don't see that in the next 30 years, but if we keep expanding like we're expanding, it might be possible. But you got to have an economic base of industry too, and we don't really have that economic base of industry or manufacturing or anything else that can support, I think, a National Hockey League team. 
it takes a lot of money to support an NHL team. You need lots of sponsorship. Okay. You know, it's not just based all on ticket sale. No, no, no. See, this is why I need you no, on here. I don't no, know like, this. You know, like I, I, was, I was remembering we were talking about this in, in Tampa Bay when I was there, and they were saying that the, the, the space in the clock was selling for fifty thousand in Tampa, and it was selling for a quarter of a million dollars in uh, Toronto. Perfect example. Even though we're in the bottom five of season ticket sales, I mean bottom five of ticket prices, you know, I think Columbus was ahead of next team ahead of us, but they were like a five to ten dollar per ticket more. You know, so that's a big difference. Take ten bucks a ticket, twenty thousand people a game, times you know forty games, it's a lot of money. That's a million. Yeah. That's a mill. That's yeah. more than a mill. Yeah, that's why you see all the stairwells <clears throat> and all every piece of signage possible. Even the the ticket booth is a McDonald's ticket booth. You know, anything they can sell, they're going to sell because they want that revenue. Interesting. Yeah. Did you enjoy learning about the business side of the game? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, it, was, it, was, it was always an interest of mine, the business side. I was, I was always had that kind of entrepreneurial spirit. Right. You know, when I, between uh, when I got fired from Dell and I was working for Nashville, I, I started a, a newspaper called Sport Extra. What? Yeah. Back in 2098. It, no it was a free weekly paper based on advertisement. So I was copying a model I saw down in Southern States that worked well. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, what, 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 did you put articles of what? Just players in there? No, we did all kinds of sport. We, we hired you know, some, a great uh, a team of writers, and uh, it was usually anywhere from 32 to 44 pages long. It was an ESPN type of magazine type, yeah. right? And uh, it, it, was, it, it was well received by the public. Um, the articles were outstanding. We had outstanding writers. Uh, just didn't have enough money to hire the right salespeople to sell advertising. That's a big, you know, that's how we're based off advertising. So, um, you know, lost a little, few dollars in that one. You know, I had three years after the mortgage, it went to 30. Uh, <laughs> that's life. You, you got to gamble. I'd rather get up to the batter's box and, and not take a swing at all. Yeah. Right? And we had a good concept and you got to believe in it. And you lose, you lose. You just move on to the next thing you want to do. Right? Fair enough. Yeah, but you know, the funny thing was that the first day the paper came out, I was offered a quarter. We were offered a quarter million dollars for it. You didn't take it. No. Oh. Would you, looking back on it now, would you should would you have done it? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Quarter mil. <laughs> I wouldn't need thirty seconds to answer that question. <laughs> you live and learn, I guess. Oh yeah, we all live and learn. But you know what? It was it was fun to do, and yeah, uh, I think we did a lot of good things, and and uh, you just learn from the things you go you go through life with. Yeah, I'm still well, standing, so that's all that matters. Hundred percent. Yeah, I love. Yeah, it's you know, money's nice, but yeah. you gotta you gotta love what you do every single day. I'm just starting to learn that. No, I mean, people don't take jobs sometimes because they don't, the money's not good enough, right? But they end up being miserable because they're doing something they don't like. Mm. So when I take less and do something I like, you know, there's a, and I find that when you work in sport, you're not gonna make a whole lot of money in sport unless you're a player. You know, unless you become a GM of an NHL team, I mean, you know, most goats are making anywhere from sixty to one hundred twenty-five thousand. That's not a whole lot of money, right? You know, there's other perks involved that you get that you know compensate. You know, like, but the fact is, you know, you know, don't expect to get rich. You want to be involved in sports, mm. you know. So, but you live doing something you love to do every day. The truest words ever spoken, right yeah. there. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, it's part of enjoying life.
<laughs> yeah, I'm having a great time right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> would, All right. How would you like more too if I go to Spain for a month? You know, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> too hot there right now. You don't want to oh, be yeah, in Spain exactly. right now. I want to go there in April, right? So, are you going to be here in Halifax when uh, Ottawa takes on Pittsburgh? Uh, or are you going to be somewhere? Yeah, I may be here. Yeah. yeah, my wife and I talked about it. Right, let's see Crosby, because I remember the probably the I've seen a couple a lot of exhibition games here, but the last local guy that probably played here there was a was Wendell when Tampa Bay came here against the Rain, New York Rangers. I think it was New York Rangers were here. And when those that was the first time there was a league game played in Maritimes. Oh, it was a, it was a league game? A league game, yeah. They used to have uh, all these um, neutral zones. They'd take the, try to expand the game. Oh, yeah. So every team would play maybe one or two games in a neutral zone, smaller area market, trying to build the game. Just like now when they go to Europe, the Global yeah. Series and all that. Yeah. So just before they were trying to find ways to grow the game. So Wendell played like five games before he got here, then Terry, then Terry Chris didn't play him the, the game here. He didn't? No, he didn't play him. He sat he sat him out. <laughs> no. The people weren't happy. People were booing. Could you imagine if Sid or Drake didn't like there would be riots? Oh, if they did, there would there, oh. would, there would be riots. People yeah. would get up and leave. Oh yeah, just the, drive them oh, up yeah. living in Halifax. Yeah, people people weren't happy when that happened. So at least they hope they say then. Uh, Drake going to be able to play there, and well, you got to look at Matthew Highmore is now with Ottawa as well. Yep. Right. So yep. another local boy there. So that's true. Be good to see then see him play as well. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, before we let you go, one piece of advice to uh, the kid that's looking to probably play pro hockey in the next year or so, um, but isn't too comfortable on making decisions, I guess, with contracts and things like that. Well, what, what's your advice to that kid making that next step to essentially make a career rather than just play a game yeah i mean probably the biggest thing is like believe in yourself and believe in your own value right value value yourself as a player right and value what you should believe you should earn and, and you know aim for that you know and the reality is that you know the the, the cars are going to get the max and lots of bonuses a guy who's third or fourth round pick you know, don't don't go for the max in terms of NHL salary. Go to the lower end of the NHL salary, you know, like say seven fifty, seven seventy five, eight hundred, but take the max in the in the American League. You know, so between the max and the American League, between the salary of the American League and signing bonus, you're making about one hundred seventy five thousand a year US. Because you're not gonna be playing in the NHL for two or three years anyways, for the most part. So take the lower part of the salary at the NHL level, but take the max of the American League so you can live well, train well. But the NHL, the other side of it too, is that if you take the lower NHL salary, you got a greater chance of being called up early and getting more games experience. A little, like, little trick to the trade there, because the, because the, because the salary cap, right? Yeah. I mean, they're going to fill guy a lot of those spots not with the best player, but who fits a lot with the salary cap. If you make eight hundred to, but if another guy makes a million five or a million two on his salary, then they're taking you because you don't cost them as much. They can save money on the salary cap for later on or for the trade period. So when you're a young guy, you're not going to play much in the first year. Probably not going to play in the first year. You might get some games the second year. The third year is the year you will want. And but you got to be able to fit in that salary cap spot. That's a great tip. Yeah. I like that a lot. <laughs> Daryl, you're the man. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you well, for your time. Thanks, Justin. And tell Sebastian I said hi. How do you hey, know I'm Sebastian? I co- help coach Sebastian with your father. What? Yeah. I was on the ice a couple of times with him. Yeah. <laughs> He's I'll playing let, my four and four league, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll let both yeah. of them know. I, mean, I remember your dad. He was, 
He did a job I would never do. What are you, oh, like the living he did? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a crazy job. Yeah. Right? Unbelievable. Uh, Some of the days he'd come home and the yeah. stories he'd have. Oh, I know. I'm like, what? Dinner time yeah. was fun every now and then. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? The hockey prepared him for that. You know? Yeah, it did. Right? Yeah, for sure. Right? You know, you know the challenges. So, yeah. On. Tell him I said hi. I will. I will. I will. Yeah. Uh, they're both living out in uh, Bridgewater. They, we have like oh. a family cottage. Oh, nice. Right on the lake out there. Oh, and they're, they're living out there. My mom just sold her spa. So yeah. she's not in Bedford anymore. So yeah. she's out there. Oh, so awesome. the whole family's out there. But I'll let them know you said hello. Oh, yeah. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Awesome. All right. Everyone listening, thank you very much uh, for tuning in. Once again, if this. Uh, if you guys aren't listening, this podcast goes nowhere. So thank you very much for living, for listening. I appreciate it. And we are out. Enjoy your summer. Peace. Trying to keep up a smile that hides